Today marks episode 54, and we're rewinding back to episode one, where I hadn't a fucking clue what I was doing. And we're joined by Mr. Daniel Lang from The Scratch. How are you doing, sir? Not too bad. How are you getting on? I'm getting on well. It's nice to see you. Likewise, man. Pleasure as always. An absolute pleasure. So listen, I didn't know what I was doing last time, okay? So we'll, we'll kick into it like the other one never even happened. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. So for people that don't know you then... Who are you? Uh, my name is Daniel Lang. I guess you've already said that. Um, yeah. And then I, I sing and play Cajon in a band called The Scratch. That's kind of my main thing right yeah. now. And how did you get into music? I always had a thing for music. Um, my first, some of my early, earliest memories are of like hearing music <clears throat> and I think, like, often being in the car with mum on long journeys, she was mad into, like, Brian Adams and the Cranberries. And uh, she used to play those tapes, obviously, all the time. And I remember buzzing off them a lot. And then hearing Michael Jackson um, for the first time, and then asking mum, like, here, can I get a Michael Jackson CD? And then that, it all just kind of kicked off from there. And I think I was, like, five years old when I got the Michael Jackson CD. And then I just kept getting CDs and rinsing them. And eventually, I, I just started playing music, like, playing drums. Was that your first CD? Michael Jackson History, yeah. Do you ever, you know that, with the four CD history album, like, four gold discs? And I, do, you know, do you know what my first CD was? What? Father Brian, who's in the house? I rem- I had that single as well. Yeah. I had that single. And followed closely by It's My Life by Bon Jovi. I actually got that on tape. Afterwards. I had that on single as well. Banger. Yeah. I yeah, my mum wouldn't let me. I got um the real Slim Shady as a single and then she listened to it and she was like, You're not listening to that. And then so she made me bring it back and I got who was in the house? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he was in the house instead. There wasn't as much cursing in that anyway. I actually don't think there was any cursing in that song. I can't, I forgot all about that. I must yeah. try and dig that out or YouTube it anyway. It was a great tune. Did you ever <laughs> did you ever go into guitar or anything like that, or was it always drums for you? Um drums was the only thing that really resonated with me. That's not true. I it was the one instrument that I was fascinated by, though. Um, I think because guitar was more common, you could see that. I just, I think there was, I think I came across more guitars. And I, I'd only ever seen a drum kit on TV um, for a long time. And then if I was at a wedding as a child or whatever, I'd just be obsessed with the drummer. Because it was just like, the the size of it, the fact that it was made up of, different components, different drums. There was so much going on. I was drawn to that and fascinated by that. I just wanted to have a go of that. I was like, how do you, like, what's the crack there? You know, whereas the guitar is just, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't uh, strike me as much as the drum set. And also the sound, I think, like initially I I played Baron because I loved the sound of the Baron. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, that Christy Moore album, Live at the Point. You know the way, like every every family has that album in their house. Yeah, my dad has that one. 
yeah. So yeah. my gaff was no different. And I, there's a song called Well Below the Valley. And I used to listen to that a lot. And it's just Christy and the Baron. And the sound of it is amazing. And I was captivated by that. So initially I wasn't allowed to get a drum kit. So I was like, well, can I get a Baron then? And then I played that for about a year. And then eventually I was I was starting to get into um metal at this point and I was liking the Baron, but I really just longed for the drum kit. And eventually I convinced my parents to let me get it and it kind of just took off from there. And in terms of Red Enemy, was that the first big band you were in or were you in any bands before that? No, that was like the first band I was ever in. Um, really, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Me, Doc and Kev went to school together and we started the band in school and it was called Steel Line back then. Like We were like uh, basically just trying to be Metallica. And yeah. Doc used to sing and play guitar. <clears throat> and then Kev played guitar and then we had a mate dave on bass and then that lineup evolved and changed throughout the years and then eventually <clears throat> kev just became the singer we got another guitar player in and then we went on to record a few eps and uh, an album and yeah that was like my sole project for a long time like i'd play drums for other bands here and there and fill in but like that was my baby until until we stopped playing and you guys like you played an awful lot of gigs like couldn't you you've done a few festivals in Europe as well, yeah. We did. And you we, went to the States, yeah. We went to the States. We recorded an album in Los Angeles and did a two and a half week tour around like the West and Southern states of America. And then we did a number of UK tours and then a pile of um Irish dates. Um we never played any fest we played a few UK festivals actually. We never played any festivals over in Europe. We never got that far. Um, I think by the time we released an album, we uh, had we written another album and released that, it would have been the next step. You know, would have been Europe and beyond, but we just never got that far. Yeah. Did you find that it was hard to, you know, make it as a metal band in terms of like commercial value and things like that? Like you know, a lot of people go over to the states to try and make it. Was that your goal, or were you just doing it for fun? Definitely. There's such a small market for metal in Ireland. Like it's not sustainable. You can't you can't be a metal band and, and just tour Ireland. And for the longest time we found it really difficult to break out of Ireland, <clears throat> even into the UK and beyond. And it's just it's so expensive to tour outside of Ireland. To get from Ireland to England in a van, you're you're already down a grand. And if you're playing metal gigs to in in areas where you're not known, you're not getting paid. You know, you're you're just going into debt basically. Unless you get, money, yeah. yeah, you're just losing money. So we we just found it really hard to get out. We couldn't get a break in terms of um, you know, a single that was that, that kind of shot us into, you know, the hype, yeah, hype kind of area, whatever you want to call it, like. Um, and as well, I think our shortcomings were we were very focused on um, getting to that point rather than focusing on music. 
the music that would get us to that point. So we yeah. were just too obsessed with like, oh, I just want to tour, I just want to blah, 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 do this thing. And we didn't channel enough energy into trying to improve the sound and improve the music, even though like I'm, I'm happy with what we did. Like it was deadly, like yeah. we were super proud of that. But I think if we had just focused on that and then let the rest come, things might have been different. But you just, you learn from these things though. Like I think uh, for for a lot of us, for most of us in the band, it was definitely first band syndrome. Like we were just so obsessed with every minute detail that like, you know, we forgot to just have the crack with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's where we fell short, but it was definitely a lesson well learned, you know, that we carried forward. And yourself then as well, like I remember talking to you when I was working up in Dublin and you were going touring South Africa and different places like that with the band uh, Monuments. Are you still with them or? Yeah, no, I'm not with them anymore. I, I okay. decided to focus my efforts on the scratch. Yeah. Because I found that I was away too much and I was really long I really wanted to like I was loving touring with Monuments Monuments yeah. opened up so many opportunities in terms of being able to travel to so many places and play shows that was amazing like we did essentially a world tour in 2019 and that was just such a good experience but I really wanted to focus on the scratch more and I just didn't get a chance because I was away so much and I was really starting to feel that and the monument schedule wasn't planning on letting up you know we were planning on going in to write and record another album to go and continue touring more and I was like fuck I, I, I think I want to stay and take a punt with the scratch you know and as well like the lads it wasn't really fair on the lads with the scratch I was like I feel like they're just waiting around but I just yeah, because like, they could have been they could have been trying to organise gigs, but you're away maybe for a month here and there. Like I remember, like when I was working in the shop, like you'd be you'd come in and you're like, "Oh, I'm off here," and then I wouldn't see you maybe for a month or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the lads were just having to turn things down because I wasn't there, you know. So yeah, the combination of those two things led to me just leaving monuments and letting them find somebody who was more suitable and more able to commit you know so they actually ended up getting their original drummer back and he left originally because he injured himself he had like a hip and back problem okay and uh so he had to have an operation and it took about you know two years of recovery and you know rehabilitation to get him back to a point where he could play again but by the time i wanted to leave he was back on his feet so it worked out you know and he i loved playing with them but he is he's so well suited to them you know so it, it worked out is there anywhere that you didn't tour with monuments that you would love to tour with the scratcher in the world um we did i'd love to go to russia never been so yeah you know a lot of people when i ask that question say japan have you been to japan oh, fuck it. actually Absolutely, Japan. I'd love to go yeah. to Japan. And we were planning on going to Japan. Uh, there was dates offered, but it never it never came through. Uh, I'd love to go to Japan, yeah, for sure. Can you imagine a scratch gig over in Japan? Yeah, I'd, I'd, flip, and, I'd flip and take it. Have you been? Yeah, I haven't been, no. no. I've heard it's a great place for gigs, though, you know? 
yeah. And it's such a such an amazing car culture as well that I'd love to just check out while I'm there. Yeah, they seem to be like like I'd be talking to wrestlers and stuff, and they say like when they perform like i know it's different wrestling compared to music like over there that the people are so respectful and it's kind of like they just treat it as a show like you know and they just sit back and enjoy it yeah yeah for sure so it's crossed you know you never know yeah the scratch anyway the formation the transition from red enemy into the scratch how did it occur um myself and jordo we were trying to sing a song. We were trying to learn to sing. And the song we were trying to learn uh, was this song called Gold. And the tuning for this song was the tuning that um, the scratch use. Uh, it's just this weird open E tuning. Mm. And <clears throat> so we were trying to learn that. <clears throat> over the course of a few days and one day I went into the living room and I, I heard him jamming on this particular tune and he was playing this riff and I, I was like what's that and he was like ah so I don't know like and I just thought it sounded class so I grabbed a cajon that I had in the room that I never used I had it as a I got it as a present and we just started jamming and then that just led to writing more tunes and we got excited by the sound and we decided to ask Doc what he thought. And he was like, this is class. And then Pete's got in on it. Pete's was living here at the time as well. Yeah. And one thing just led to another. We were like, this is deadly. This is really exciting. What would we do? Let's go busking. <clears throat> Started busking. And then it just snowballed from there. Somebody took a video of us up at a festival that we went up and busked at. That that, that, the, the Rory Gallagher there, was it? Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. Whelan's got in touch after that and they were like will you do a gig and we were like jesus i don't know like we, we we'd never planned on i guess it's not that we we'd never planned on gigging it but we were not prepared to gig it um like the way the lineup we had was an acoustic like a very much an acoustic lineup it was the lads playing acoustic guitar through like little busking amps and i was playing cajon acoustically so trying to translate that onto a stage like we weren't prepared for that but, a lot of a lot of it was instrumental as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all instrumental. Yeah. So we said yeah to the Wheelands gig and a pile of people turned up and we were like, what? You know, and then we started releasing singles with vocals and we started to try and um figure out how we were gonna play this stuff live on a stage. And it just went from there. And that's what we've been doing since. And it's just been grown and grown and organically, which is lovely, you know. And that first EP then went very well for you as well. Yeah, the whole buzz. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been one pleasant surprise after another in terms of how it's being received. Um, because we were all just so used to playing in bands where nobody gave a shite about us. So to go from that to playing in this band where we couldn't have tried any less yet we were getting so much more attention than we could have imagined. It was just gas. It was just gas to us. It know? just kind of happened by mistake, really, the whole thing. Yeah. But, like, we're loving it. It's there. Yeah. You know? 
you can tell by the videos and like when you guys are playing live that you're just having a good time and i think that goes a lot like you can't really translate that in a metal band as much can you i guess yeah like i guess not there's no because of the nature of the music it definitely does allow us to you know show our personalities more you know um like in, in like the video content and just like you know it, it does allow us to bring across the fact that we don't take ourselves too seriously and we're just having the crack you know yeah. and uh so last year the the album uh you released it you were saying three months early because of the the pandemic really and like you guys must have kind of i suppose had your year kitted out last year and then like everyone else, like with the COVID and everything, everything is thrown up in the air. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, ah, it was unfortunate. Last year we decided to just go balls to the wall, you know, let's just, like we start, we were like, we were getting a lot of offers in for festivals around the continent. Um, and we, we'd just taken on a booker. Our manager was on full time with us. Um, we were about to release an album and we were just going to go for it. Like we'd, we'd like, you know, taken on an accountant, like we'd like with the, with the view to making it legit and just go full whack. And then two months later, the, the pandemic struck and, uh, yeah, kind of, well, it's just all our plans just were canceled. So it was a huge blow, but we decided, uh, to release the album um, a couple of months early, which was just, I think it was like, I think it might've been a week or two into the pandemic. Uh, we decided to just put it out. Doc came up with the, he, he, Doc put it in the group one day. He was like, here lads, we just released the album yeah. uh, next week. And it, it got us all excited. So we were just like, fuck it, yeah, let's do that. And that kind of kept, kept our, kept our buzz kept our heads above water for a while, kept us lifted, you know, uh, for the first few months of the pandemic. So in hindsight, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did it, you know. And the video for Pull Your Jocks Up um, seemed to fit with kind of what was going on in the world as well, with the way you were kind of isolated in the forest. Was that on purpose or was that just, how did it come about? No, I didn't predict the pandemic. I didn't... Uh... No, no, I mean the video. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, yeah, well, no, like, I think, uh, how do you mean, like, the the fact that I was in a forest or just the Just, just kind of that you're in a forest by yourself, and I remember, like, the pandemic had only started, and it just, it seemed to me, and I was reading comments from other people on the video as well, that it just kind of fits in with what happened, like, was that video planned because of what was going on around you, or was it just random? No, it was shot before all of that kicked off oh really yeah uh <clears throat> i think the well the idea behind it was me just having a word of myself in a forest yeah uh and the the vibe of that tune is um what do you call it my brain is fried um what do you call it when you not self-assessment, like you know, when you what is it when you call yourself when you when you 
Affirmations. Affirmations. Okay. So like it was like a self-affirmation. Like I was repeating this thing to myself over and over. So it's like the same verse three times throughout the tune. And that was the <clears throat> that was the idea behind the song. And we just said we just go up to a forest and I'll just fucking perform the song in the forest and I'll just go a bit more crazy and a bit more I'll get a bit more lively and energetic each time I sing the verse and that was the plan like there was no like I think a lot of a lot of the ideas behind our videos are based around like how much money we have to to put into videos you know we're just like look we can just Doc is a cameraman he's involved in in film so it's great to have him you know, it means we can just do things like that. We can just go up to Tick Knock and just bait out a few verses of a tune and edit it together and just release it as a video. So that was that was the thinking behind it. But that was with a view to like, you know, releasing more videos down the line. And then the pandemic struck. So we had planned to release more singles with videos off of that album, but because we couldn't go to each other's gaffes. We couldn't even hang out. Like the first lockdown was super strict, and everyone yeah. was so wary and cautious that no, we certainly weren't willing to, you know, bend the rules in order to put out content. So we just couldn't do anything. Um, but so that like it led to just like one video being released for the album. But yeah, it's just kind of the way it panned out. But on a more positive note, anyway, you guys are doing like your biggest gig ever this year, hopefully, in the yeah. Olympia. How do you feel about that? Can't wait. Can't wait. Like before the pandemic, we got, uh, sorry, we booked the Academy. Yeah. And it sold out um, like in four days or something like that. So we were like, yes, this is amazing. Absolutely buzzing. And then the pandemic happened. So we decided, like, and because it sold out so quick, a lot of people were commenting on our social media platforms saying, like, here, will you upgrade the venue, blah, blah, blah. But we had no plans to do that because we just wanted to do the Academy uh, just as a kind of a milestone occasion for ourselves. Like, we'd never, none of us had ever been in a band that had sold out the Academy. So we were like, look, we're just going to do the Academy and then we'll, we'll bump it up next time. But because the pandemic struck, we were like, we just skip the academy for now and just go straight for the Olympia and see if we can, you know. So for people who are looking for tickets, they can now buy tickets to this. Um, and yeah, man, I can't wait. I can't What's wait. the capacity difference between the academy and the Olympia? I think the I think the academy is like eight fifty nine hundred, and then the Olympia is sixteen hundred. I think so. It's almost okay. twice. So. Yeah, man. And like, we haven't played any of the album live to a crowd yet. So I cannot wait to play some new tunes and in a venue like the Olympia, you know? And I've like, got my every- tickets. You have your tickets? I have. There's still a select, av- select amount available on ticketmaster.ie. Go get them. Yeah. But as well, like, 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 like one positive is that. People who do the people who do listen to the band have had so much time to get familiar with the album, so it's not going to be a case of playing new music and you know one or two people or a couple of people know the tunes. Like if you're coming to that gig, chances are you've listened to the album and you're probably going to know it well, you know. So 
it'll just make it all the more fun, you know, for both us and whoever's at the gig. People will still want the old uh, EP tunes as well, though, Fight Road oh, yeah. and things like that as well. You'll have a lot to cram in. How, how long are you thinking of playing for? Or even thought about? I'd say, I'd say like hour 15, hour and a half. I, like when I go to a gig, any longer than that, I'm done. You know, I don't, yeah. I, no matter how much I love the band, I couldn't do any longer than an hour and a half these days. Yeah, an hour and a half is good, yeah. yeah. That's like pushing it, yeah. Like an hour and 15 is perfect. But like, the only thing is you're trying to squeeze in so many tunes. So yeah, I'd say it'll be between an hour and 15 and an hour and a half. Yeah. And you've got some big news coming up about a stream on the way. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so we decided to play the album from start to finish live uh, as a stream um, to celebrate the the one year anniversary of our debut album release. So it's due to go up at the end of this month. We haven't, I think we've decided on a date, but I, I won't say now just in case it changes, but it's the end of this month. Yeah, so. and this video will coincide with that anyway. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, apart from the Olympia then, I've seen like um, you were booked in for, it was a festival in Czech Republic as well. Yeah, Rock Palace, I think it's called. Is that is going it? ahead this year? I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. I yeah, think everything's up in the air. I think it might be put back another year. There are festivals that are going ahead, it seems. Like there was, there was a festival called Radar Festival. I think yeah. they might be... Uh, going ahead this year but I'm not sure about Rock Palace unfortunately Download we were scheduled to play Download this year but that's been postponed as well so and yeah. it's a shame it's a shame about Sunstroke as well it doesn't look like well maybe it will be rescheduled but it was going to be a hell of a weekend oh big time man yeah it sucks it sucks I don't know what the crack is with festivals like that um or bands internet like bands being able to travel to ireland i don't know if it's going to be feasible for them yeah uh when things come back i don't know which somebody pointed out to me there recently will be a good thing for the irish music scene but in terms of festivals i don't know i don't know what the crack is there yeah um, i don't know if sunstroke would be a thing uh yeah, I seen uh, Flog and Molly flew to Dublin to play in Wheelands the other day. I thought that yeah. was odd. We were rehearsing in there uh, yeah. last week, and there was Flog and Molly signature plex like scattered around the ground. And uh, yeah, one of the lads in there was like, "I oh, yeah, they were in doing a stream or something like that." Mm. Has it gone up or what's the story? I think it went up on Paddy's night, so that was what pre-recorded. Mm. Yeah. So they flew in to play Wheelands and then flew back out. Yeah, essential journey though, in fairness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, listen, it was great to chat with you. Likewise, man. And uh, nice. we'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah. How's the wee fella? Is he still asleep? He's still asleep, yeah. He's all right. And uh, yeah, I just sing, uh, they call it the Rat King, they call it the Rat King, and it works every time, and he just goes to sleep. It's fucking glorious. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'll see you in. Uh, in the Olympia, and I'll have my top off. Beautiful. Yeah. Swing it around your head. <laughs> Go on, take care, Cheers, man. Cheers, man.